Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. On today's episode of Chattachesis, I'm chatting with Deacon Henry Reyes from St. Anthony's Parish in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Uh, Deacon Reyes, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is we're kind of getting close to summer here, and our topic today, we're going to look at how is your parish and how are you, through your ministry as a deacon, trying to engage people, keep their faith in the forefront of their minds and hearts, and are you do, having to be creative at all, given that not everyone wants to gather yet? Um, are you exploring any kind of remote or online options? But before we get to that, as we always do, I uh, just want to introduce Deacon, or let Deacon introduce himself and say a little bit about St. Anthony's Parish, about that ministry landscape. So Deacon, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are uh, um, appointed. Well, as, uh, thank you for the invitation to uh, chat with you here. Um, as you said, my, my name is Deacon Henry Reyes. I'm a permanent deacon in uh, two parishes, uh, St. Anthony and St. Hyacinth parishes in Milwaukee. Uh, they are both uh, parishes in the inner city, um, and they are majority uh, Hispanic, um, mostly Mexican immigrants. Um, we have a very large uh, school. Um, we have uh, four different buildings, um, four different schools, four different grade levels, and um, Lots of students, lots of families, and, and lots of ministry, which is actually uh, a lot of fun um, to, to have a lot of activity in the parish. Uh, I myself uh, help out um, directly with the uh, couples group. Um, I also help out uh, here and there giving talks and whatnot to the youth group, the men's group, the women's group, uh, as well as obviously the sacramental uh, work in the, in the parish, as well as taking communion to the sick and, and uh helping out with funerals and things like that. Can you say a little bit about the couples ministry? Is that, are you talking about uh, any kind of pre-cana or what is this, what is this about? So um, our parish participates in um, a group uh, called Movimiento Familiar Cristiano, which is a Christian family movement. Oh yes, um, yes, yes. And uh, uh, in, in Spanish, obviously, and um, I'm helping to um, lead uh, two of the levels that that group does by levels. And so there's four years of formation. And so I participate in the, in the third and fourth years. As, and then one of our associate pastors uh, helps out with first and second level. If you wouldn't mind, since we're talking about this great ministry, could, could you say for our listeners who might not know what Christian Family Movement is, can you just give a short summary? Sure. So Christian Family Movement essentially is, is a formation program for couples. And it is... Um, the, the material comes in English and Spanish, so it's pretty easy to do either either language. And it has uh, a one-page um, material uh, thing to be covered for one week and or every other week. And so um, leader couples uh, gather with someone like myself or some other spiritual uh, advisor and will go over the talk as well as the scripture that's in the talk. And then they will present that to... Um, to couples who will gather in their homes. Well, at least it used to be in their homes. 
now they've been doing it over Zoom sure. um, this year. But uh, they gather with their couples and then go over that same that same talk. And there's a lot of uh, wonderful sharing that happens, uh, uh, natural mentoring that happens in those in those meetings. And and quite frankly, a lot of couples um, who who are civilly married will become married in the church because of their participation in this group. And those who um, uh, have struggles in their marriages either find the help they need in the group or uh, will reach out to get help because they, they find that, yes, we, we do have something to work on and they don't feel um, kind of like uh, out on their own. Uh, so they, they, really, they really do get a lot of support from this, uh, from this ministry. So we at St. Luke's in Ankeny, which is a suburb of Des Moines, um, it's a parish I'm assigned to, uh, we have Christian Family Movement. It's run by a couple, lovely people, the Walls. Um, they have been, we're a newer parish, so we're, we're kind of a suburban um, parish. It's been around for three years now. We do have a school also, K through eight. But um, the Walls... Uh, just, I think, got very blessed and lucky, to be honest. They, they had a number of uh, volunteers come forward to help facilitate. Um, what was your experience? And uh, were you around or did you have any involvement in getting Christian Family Movement off the ground? So when I came to the parish, the, the Christian Family Movement was already there. Yeah. Um, it had been there for, I want to say, a couple years, uh, maybe two or three years when I arrived. Um, they didn't ask me to participate until um, a couple years later because I was not yet a deacon. Mm-hmm. So I was in formation. Um, when I, when I became ordained, then they asked if I would have officially, um, help them out. And, uh, at that point, some couples had already finished the entire sequence of, um, of formation. So those couples were actually available then to help lead the mm. next, the next, next groups. So, um, I, I want to say I came on, uh, about halfway through mm-hmm. of what, where they are now. So they've been around now for uh, seven, eight years. And um, so there's been several groups of people who have who have gone through all the all the levels, and so um, that's sort of where we're at. We're getting new people uh, in, and then getting some of the people who've been involved uh, back back as leaders and um, as directors. So again, we have a little sidebar here talking about Christian Family Movement. But uh, if you do not know about that ministry, you'd like to find out more about that ministry. Just do a simple search online: Christian Family Movement. Uh, everything you need to know about the origin, about uh, how to start it up in your parish, the resources you need, and mostly it's human resources. And again, uh, it's amazing how here we have uh, Deacon Reyes in an inner city parish, myself in a suburban parish, and in both cases, this ministry has been very welcomed and um, had, had a good impact on people. So we definitely, definitely encourage you to check it out. Switching now to our actual topic uh, for the podcast today. Um, let's talk about summer. It's almost here. Yeah. It's not quite the same summer that we're used to. We're, in, we're kind of in pandemic year two with maybe some light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe we feel a little more comfortable about attending church and gathering for ministry or, or just socializing in general. Um, we want to keep, I know Deacon and myself, we want to keep faith at the forefront of our parishioners' lives. Uh, so I wanted to chat with Deacon about how do, how are you doing that? How is he doing that at St. Anthony? So I'm putting the question to you. Uh, so let's talk about it from two points. One, from you personally, are you involved in any kind of summer ministry? And how will that look in this year? And then what is your parish doing in general for summer ministries? Okay. Um well, I, I like to hit, I think, both of those at the same time okay. um, because um, I'm involved with the ministries that our parish okay. is doing. So um, the uh, youth group is um, 
uh, started to meet in person again. And what grades? Um, they were they were not able to meet, and you know, with youth, that's so difficult. Um, they they follow all the protocols of our diocese uh, in terms of social distance and masking and all that. Um, and so uh, they started to meet again. Um, they've only had a couple meetings uh, so far, but they they were were gifted or given the opportunity to have a uh, vocational cross, which is an idea that our diocese came up with. So it's a big, giant, big, huge cross. Um, and that cross is given to a parish or a youth group to, to have for a year. And mm. then during that year, that group focuses on vocational topics. Well, it just so happened that just before the pandemic, our parish received the vocational cross. And they marched it into the church. I mean, it was yeah. really big. So yeah. like all the youth were carrying it. And um, the priest, um, you know, uh, re recognized it as, a, as a, a topic for this year. But it ended up that they didn't have any meetings and they didn't have any activities. So what they're going to do now that they're starting to meet again is put that focus on the, the topic of that um, for this year. So they, they want to get in the vocation directors in to, the, to talk to the youth. They want to get the vocation directors to talk to the parents mm -hmm. because a lot of times it's the parents that put the brake on uh, the, the youth from following a vocational call because mm -hmm. they, they, they see the, the educational academic side of it as more important and more, more, mm -hmm. more necessary. And so if the parents didn't um, discourage it so much, then I think the youth would be more, more apt to uh, follow, follow that vocational call. And, and then also to just get the vocational directors around our youth because they never see them, you know, it's, mm -hmm. they, they just don't see a, a lot of uh, the mm -hmm. vocation directors, they're doing activities in other places that, that, uh, where they're not around. So that's one focus for the youth group, they also want to um, um, keep, uh, you know, keep meeting, and especially getting creative about where do we meet. So it's, you know, if you're going to be socially distant, you can't do a whole lot of different activities. So they also want to do field trips, uh, you know, get get the youth outside, and um, in nature, and they, they call these cell phone free field trips. Oh, so wow. um, I bet you that's use, challenging for them. They can't use their phones whether, when they go yeah. to uh, the, the state parks or wherever they go. Um, and then uh, I do have one story um, uh, from the youth group. Yeah, can I, before we hit the story, yeah. I want to jump back to, you said so much good information here. I just want to go back and just unpack a little bit more of some of the things that you said. Uh, so what age groups are in this youth group? So we're talking... Um, 13 to 18 or 13 to 17 type of range. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the cross, I, I, I find it interesting that um, you received it during the pandemic when everyone's already got this big cross of, yes. you know, fear and anxiety and, and potentially dealing with illness. And then this cross comes, but um, does it come with, uh, you talked about it being big. Um, and I was thinking because the deacon, you know, usually has to carry the candle at Easter. I wondered if they made you carry the cross, no. but you said the youth did um do, does it come with like a prayer or is there anything with it yes, so it's more like an expectation so oh. the the vocational cross is an idea of the archdiocesan uh, youth uh, committee or something to that effect or maybe it's the hispanic um uh committee but they, they had the idea of um make first making this giant cross it's actually decorated so it doesn't seem so scary so it's decorated kind of uh, bright colors the idea being that the, the youth can can focus on that uh, for the year or wherever it is. So in this case, it's in our parish, but next year it'll probably be in a, in a different uh, mm -hmm. parish of the archdiocese. And then they focus on vocations for that year. And so then that just gets moved around sure. from uh, place to place. So 
the expectation is that the parish who has it will then uh, focus on vocations for that year. Wow. Uh, you know, talking about it, bringing speakers in, um, and you know, taking the this, this, the youth to the seminary or visiting some kind of religious house. So that's the idea. So the, the expectation is that that group will focus on vocations for that year. Can you take it? You, you've mentioned how big the cross is. Can you guess how, what are the dimensions? What are we talking? Oh, it's, it's, how big big be, it's, 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 it's really big. It barely fits through the door. It's, I think it's at least seven feet tall. What's it made out of? It's, it's wood. Okay. Um, it's, it's wood. It's heavy and it's big. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a big cross, but the idea is that it's, um, it's also symbolic, right? Sure. So when when the vocational speakers come in they can use the cross as the symbol that they talk about so sure. carrying the cross you know bearing the cross bringing the cross to others bringing christ to others so it's a very symbolic uh, it's wonderful i think it's a great great idea i do too uh, it's too bad that the pandemic like forced everything to shut down and that the cross has actually been sitting at the back of our parish this whole year so you mentioned something interesting uh about vocations you mentioned parents sometimes wanting to put the brakes on um, and that kind of discourages young people from considering a, a religious path or, or a priestly path or a diaconate path later on, who knows. But um, do you see, what are some other sort of common hurdles for young people today as you see it following a religious vocation? Well, I think that the, um, the, the greatest um, societal pressure is to succeed at some kind of career, right? So mm -hmm. they're the, in the forefront of all these young people's minds is what, what career or what job am I going to do in the future? they're not really thinking like, how am I going to respond to God's call in my life? They're, that's not like the main consideration. And so um, that's a major roadblock. But when a youth actually has some kind of interest, which they get usually from participating youth group or retreats or something like that, mm -hmm. then um, they, they start to kind of um, test the waters to see if it's okay to talk about it or, you know, is this something that might be for them? Uh, the youth leaders usually are pretty good about talking about uh, vo vocations. Certainly the, the priests and the deacons would be. Um, but when they say stuff like that to their parents, their parents are not, uh, you would think they would be open to it, but they really, they have the same mindset, the same kind of societal secular mindset, which is, you know, my kid needs to study hard, get a college degree and, and get a good career. And, and they, they, they're not thinking of that this other path is, could be much better much better for their their youth and it's much better for the church and the world for that matter and um they they sometimes put the brake on that um and and it's not like they even like mean to but their comments their tone of voice everything says it that uh, this is not really a, a you know choice that we ever considered for you you know um I, th I think part of it is deacon if i can interrupt you real quick i think part of it is just it's so unfamiliar uh and particularly to parents you know i mean they're catholic parents they come to mass they see the priest they maybe go to confession they see the priest there but they don't they don't know they they see the the cake is already baked by that point they don't see how the cake gets made you know mm -hmm. and so there's no there's no understanding of that so it's a little foreign and when things are strange then we're a little afraid and maybe it's just some of that as well you know mm -hmm. And, and also, um, you know, their own, their own spirituality and their sure. own formation that, that, you know, if they've come from a family that has had uh, priests um, or, or religious, they're much more open yes. to, to their children doing it. But when they haven't had that experience in their families, they don't really know what that's like. And so they're not as open. Um, and so um, I, I, I uh, talked to the, to the youth leader. I said, I'm more than happy to work with them over the summer to give, uh, start giving talks to the youth. And then as the youth start getting a little bit open-minded to it, to then talk to the parents, 
-hmm. even before bringing in any vocational directors. That's a great idea. And, you know, I, maybe our diocese does this and I just don't know it, but that you, like a light bulb went off over my head. And I wonder if vocation directors start with the parents before they even meet with the kids. Do you see that happening in Milwaukee or? No, generally speaking, when, when, when vocation directors meet, it's with interested young people. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of like, you know, the first step. And then when the young person is interested, then they can talk to the parents about right. some of the steps or some of the discernment things that are available. Um, but I just, you know, I, I, just think, I just think that the youth group has got a, it's got a good sense of their own youth. And they, they actually, this came from the youth. Mm. The youth said, um, after you talk to us about these, you know, things, you need to bring our parents in here. And talk mm. to them about these things because mm. they don't know what we're learning. They don't know right. what we're going through. And and part of that is um, like an onus on us as ministers to provide continuing information for families, not just for youth, because yeah. we focus so much of our effort on children and youth. Right. But what about the parents? And so that's why I ended up talking to the men's and women's group at our mm -hmm. parish to see what they're doing for the formation of those um, older, older folks. That's, that's fast. That's, I, I really think you're onto something there. And um Definitely something to, to consider in, our, in any diocese. Mm -hmm. I mean, vocation, I think, is not only a personal decision, it's a family decision, you know, to some respect. And uh, that's great. That's great. Let's, let's leave that uh, for now. And uh, boy, you're really going head forward. You've got uh, field trips planned, trying to socially distance. Again, all in efforts to keep faith uh, at the forefront of who we are during the summer. And you said you have stories. So let yeah. her rip, Deacon. Yeah, so just this just a, a quick story about the youth group. Okay. The youth group is not that old. I want to say maybe five years old, maybe six. Um, and um, But in that time, some of the youth have, have graduated uh, high school. Mm -hmm. And um, they've gone off to college and uh, are, you know, first, second uh, year, uh, third year in college. And so, but... Um, the, the 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 importance of this group to them is seen in the fact that some of these young people are coming back from college and spending their summers with this youth group. Mm. So so instead of coming coming home to Milwaukee, getting a job like most I think most college kids do, getting a job and um and working, getting extra money, they're actually coming home to Milwaukee, visiting their families, and then spending time with the youth group. And that that provides um, extra leadership for the yep. youth group. It provides uh, more community because they have the whole history, right, from when the youth group was founded and whatnot. And then it provides natural mentoring. And uh, one of the things that youth need in, in terms of the inner city is they need mentors because a lot of the youth that we uh, have in our schools, uh, their parents have not gone to college. So they don't actually know the steps to follow to get to college, what, what kind of things are waiting for them once they get there. But these um, youth group members come back, they've already, they've already gone to college. They've already applied. They're, they're already there. Um, they know what it, what the kind of work is expected. And then they, all those youth can now ask directly to someone who's in college, what is it like? How did you do it? I mean, you're, you're just a couple years older than me. You know, what is it like? What do I need to do? What do I need to prepare? I, I, I love that. I, I think that the youth group is obviously doing something good and holy that's touching these kids' lives so that they can come back and share some of those experiences. So yeah. That's that's the story that I had um for for them uh for the youth group. The proof is in the pudding, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The tree is known by its fruit, and uh, here they come back and share their their time, uh, volunteering and uh, being mentors. And I think that's something else uh, that we don't often consider uh, young people in that role of mentor. But that is such a powerful um, uh, 
mm-hmm. that, that they make such big impacts, big impressions on younger people's lives. So mm-hmm. kudos on, on encouraging that. Uh, go ahead. Did you want to say something? No, Sorry. I was just saying that I, I next talked to the men's group. Yeah. So, so, go ahead. The, the men's group has not been able to meet like every group. Um, we, we don't even, our, our meeting hall is not even open yet. I think they're, they're starting to, to open it up for um, select activities. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, the men's group, uh, you know, normally their main ministry is a, a long retreat that they do every year. They plan for it basically all year long. They, they fundraise for it. And they, um, the men who go to these retreats don't pay, which is amazing. Um, and, but they don't, they're not, they can't have a retreat. So they were looking for other ministries to part- participate in. And mm-hmm. so um, as soon as the pandemic hit and um, the, the kids were not allowed to go to school, there was this whole issue of food. So the kids used to get to breakfast and lunch at school. And then what do they do now that they have to stay home? And so the school started um, distributing the food that they normally would have given to them um, to the students, like on a, like a drive-through kind of a mm-hmm. basis. And so the men's group heard about the need of, volunteers to get all this food out and all the and get the the cars in and out efficiently and all that and so they volunteer the, the men's wow. group volunteer to help distribute the food not only uh to to all i mean we're talking hundreds of, of families but also um to um to those who couldn't come um and that's and that's the story that i actually have for the men's group let's hear it um there's there's um several there were several families that the men's group sponsored during the pandemic and i think they're still sponsoring essentially um, people who cannot leave their homes because their risk factors are so high mm-hmm. uh, in the pandemic for the for the for the coronavirus. So um, they essentially took on uh, several families as their ministry for this year because they couldn't do their normal retreat ministry. And one of the families that they're sponsoring, I know this family because I, I take communion to them, so I know what the group has done for them and and, and how they've been able to help them. Um, when I went in to assess their needs, they 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 told me a lot of these things are being addressed already because of these wonderful people who are sponsoring us. So the, the dad of this family is a, a, a dad, uh, his wife, and three little girls. He, um, they discovered he had cancer. Mm. And um, it's, it's spread pretty, pretty extensively. So the treatment's pretty aggressive um, to get it under control. He's the only breadwinner in the family. So when he, obviously, he's, he's out of work because of the cancer treatments. He's out of work because he's in the pandemic. He can't he can't even leave his house. It's very strict quarantine. So um, the group took on this family as well as other concerned people took on this family as a, to sponsor them. They didn't have any money, no food, no anything. So they uh, collected money, they collected food, necessary items for the house. And they would take these to them because the, the, the doctors have said, don't, don't leave your house. If you, if you absolutely, except for a doctor appointment, don't leave because he's, he's going to be the most susceptible of anybody. Mm-hmm. So the group um, ended up doing uh, sponsoring this family, uh, helping them out with with their, I mean everything with food, um, with uh, rent, with um, you know gift cards to the grocery store, every kind of thing, so that they could um, uh, live a, a, a normal life. And when I went to go visit them to take communion, um, I asked them about all their needs, and they said, "Thank thanks be to God that these people have been so generous because we don't have any of these um, worries. That are we going to make rent? Are we going to have food on the table?" because they've taken care of us and, and we're so thankful for that. I, I consider that a miracle of God that um, that somebody could be so concerned about somebody else's family. Because right. I'm sure all of these people's families were struggling. 
Sure. These men are, are working men. They work in factories. I'm sure they were out of work. Some of them had to switch jobs, switch shifts, all kind of things that they had to do for their own families. And here they are looking out for a family who's, who's even greater need than, than they are. Um, and uh, even, even the little girls who were in the house, uh, just beautiful, beautiful little girls. They, one of them um, was in uh, the age for First Communion. Mm-hmm. but she can't go to the parish for any of the um, training and, and stuff. So I said, you know, we can, we can work on this, uh, us, you know, we can do this. And so we, uh, during this year, we've, we helped to prepare her. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we got some materials and then we, um, uh, the mom, uh, I told, I, sh- I showed the mom how to use them. And then she also is in communication with her school for, you know, her like virtual education. So uh, her religion teacher has been helping her out too. So um, I'm so happy to, 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 to say that on May 1st, uh, she will be receiving her first okay. communion. Um, and so um, I, I, she'll receive her first communion at church. I think she'll receive her second communion for me uh, when I go visit her, her dad to, to bring him communion um, on the next Sunday. So, um, I mean, just those are, those are all to me ways that the pandemic hasn't stopped people from, from being the, the, the hands and feet of Christ uh, to right. the community and to others. Um, and so the men's group, even though they are really kind of like turned upside down because their ministry is something that's completely unable to be done right now, they're still finding ways to to minister to others. And they are actually starting to meet in person as well. They just started uh, meeting in person as well. So they've got their hopes about what what formation and, and activities they can do with the men um, over the summer. That is a terrific story. Um you know, within crisis, there's opportunity. And it sounds like these men really seized it. Um, as you mentioned, they're struggling themselves. They have their own fears, concerns, their own, um, you know, uh, like I said, some of them might be out of work. Uh, some of them might be dealing, you know, with different illnesses or whatever. And yet they find time, they make time to go and support and sponsor these families. Um, it's such a beautiful testament to the Holy Spirit, to, to Christ's present, to, um, you know, God in, in the midst of the pandemic and, and the light shining in the darkness. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think we're going to have to end with that story uh, mm-hmm. just as I get an eye here on the clock. Um, boy, Deacon, thank you so much for your time. It sounds like you've got a lot bubbling up there this summer uh, over at St. Anthony's in Milwaukee. I want to thank you for your ministry. Um, and I just will say prayers for your parish that they continue to um find uh, to be the hands and feet of Christ, as you say. Um, as I always do, I ask guests uh, to offer a blessing for our listeners. So if you wouldn't mind. May the blessing of Almighty God fall upon all the listeners of this recording. That that blessing may come to them through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph. May thy blessing extend through them to their family members and friends. May thy blessing renew their bodies and their minds and their spirits. And may that blessing remain with them forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Matt Hallback with another episode of Chattachesis. We just chatted with Deacon Reyes in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, talking about keeping faith at the forefront of his parishioner's mind during the summer. And during the summer in this weird kind of pandemic year, too. Deacon, thank you again for your time, and we will chat with you later. All right. Take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us.
and our bilingual edition, Cristo and Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.